0: Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in, listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. While you stand with me, if you would please hold your Bibles up, your iPhones, iPads, whatever you have. Those of you in your hotel room, apartment, house, jogging, hold it up. (laughs) Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So glad you're here. Welcome, all of you watching online, those of you in-house today. Uh, It's closer to Christmas forward than it is backwards. That's how far into this year we are, and it's amazing to me. Uh, When I was younger, you know, you just try to get time to move faster. Now that I'm older, I went from watching my clock to looking at the calendar. I mean, pages flying off. It's moving so fast and uh, some of you are not there yet because you still have children you're looking oh Jesus please get them out of the house (laughs) I remember those days anyway we are glad that you're here we're beginning a series a new series today and uh, we won't hide the reason that we're beginning this series Um, we live in a world that is very very disconnected filled with actually filled with information as a matter of fact we have more information now. I forget the the percentage of increase, but it's mammoth. Uh, the information that you and I get now versus, say, 30 years ago or 10 years ago. Uh, the challenge is, uh, what do you do with the information that you receive? Let's say on social media, wherever you're receiving information, what do we do with that information? Somebody's in trouble, say, what well, do I pray? Do I call? Do I stick my nose in? Do I direct message? Do I put it on Facebook. How do I get back to them? Or do I do nothing? Because we have so much information coming in that it's it's overwhelming. And I think most of us, and I being one of them, oftentimes don't know what to do with the information. I really don't. I mean, it's like, how do I respond to this person or to this post or to whatever it might be? So there's this sense of connection but the question I have is, is, are we really connected? Or are we just connected to the information, not connected to the person? And how do I do that? And and so the series that we're beginning is just simply entitled Community. And what does that really mean in the world or the culture in which we live today? Most of us would say, well, I, th- I think I have a sense of community, maybe with coworkers or maybe in your neighborhood that you are connected. However, studies show that we're no longer really even in relationship with the people who live next door to us. If you live in an apartment, many of you may not even know who the person in the next apartment is. If you live in a a neighborhood uh, and the homes are 10 feet apart, oftentimes we don't even know who our neighbors are. And yet in our minds, we have convinced ourselves that we're actually doing life together. Some of you may recall my home was broken into last year uh, while I was out of town. And I realized in that moment, and I, I was guilty as well, I only, I only knew one of my neighbors. Out of all the neighbors around me, I only knew one of them. And uh, I didn't know them well. So I realized in that moment that this is a terrible thing. So I began going around to every neighbor, and I could tell most of them weren't even excited that I came. But I thought, I'm going to go introduce myself. I'm your neighbor. Oh, really? You know, they didn't even know. And, and and, and, you know, after that, only stayed in touch with two of them. And just, you know, to try to greet them or, you know, I wasn't going to their homes uninvited. But if I saw them outside, I would go say, how are you doing? And that kind of thing. So what are we doing to connect ourselves to other people by design? Not by default, not accidentally. So, for instance, if you're employed, you're connected to those people, not by design, but by default. You didn't go to work there because you saw five people you really liked and decided you'd get a job there. You got a job there and found that there were a few people you actually liked. But you really didn't seek them out, and they didn't seek you out. You were just thrust into the same place together at the same time. So... Uh, My question as we approach this topic is how many of us are creating community by design? How many of us are creating relationships because we're intentional? How many of us are really reaching out to get to know more people and to be known by more people? And you say, well, it's really not important to me. But it really is. Because the Bible makes it very clear that we're better together than we are apart. As a matter of fact, we often use the scripture... Just for marriage, but it's not good for man to be alone. We understand that. That it is, uh, you know, that's what God said. But I think it's bigger than a husband and wife. I don't think it's good for man to be alone, period. Even if a couple is married, they are better with other people. The Bible says if one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. So we see the strength in numbers. The exponential power and strength that comes when we're connected to other people. And that it's a strand of three cords is not quickly broken. So again, when the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, it's a lot more difficult for him to come and lie to you about you being insignificant. And you really don't count in society. And your existence on earth is, is of no importance. But if you have some people close to you and you're in community with them, it's easy for you to look and say, that's just a lie. It's a lie from hell. I am important. I am significant. There are people that would miss me if I wasn't around or they didn't hear from me for a period of two or three days. It is important for all of us. And sometimes we're convinced that we just need to be an island. We need to be a rock. And you remember the song, you know, and I mean, it, it, no, nobody's intended, uh, it was not God's intent for any of us to be a rock and, and fly solo in this world. And yet, in this society, we have been deceived into believing that Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and all the other social media platforms are sufficient to meet that need. And they're not. The Bible is timeless. And, it, and the Bible says that we are not to forsake the assemblings of ourselves together as we see the end drawing near. In other words, God's saying it's never good for us to be alone. It's always good for us to be in relationship and in community because we all need each other. I realized that many years ago that so much of my trouble in life was the fact that I I thought I could do everything alone. I thought I was Superman. I I didn't need anybody praying for me. I knew God. and I'm okay by myself I grew up in that culture. I I believed that, you know, I could pull myself up by my own bootstraps and and I'm going to tell you all today as my church and my family, my church family. I want to ask you if every day you'd get up and just mention my name to God. That's what I want to ask you to do. Say, you know, man, I, my, my pastor needs help. I heard him preach yesterday. God, please help him with next week's sermon. <laughs> However you want to word that, I'm open to that. However you want to do that, say, man, he really needs help. Well, don't criticize me. Pray for me. And <clears throat> You know, and I'm, I'm praying for Mosaic Church. I'm praying for all of y'all. <clears throat> but I know that I can't do this alone. I know that I'm not called to do this alone. I know that I'm not called to just pray for myself. I'm called to pray for you, and you're called to pray for me. <clears throat> yeah. 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 Yeah, <clears throat> Tough crowd in the middle of summer. I, I know it's hot outside, folks, but it's all good. we got to cool down in here for you. So anyway, I'm going to be talking to you about building a sticky church where it's just so hard for us to pull away from each other. Now, when I say this, it's always difficult because there are people in your life that you do love and that you do care for. And yet, every time you get around them, uh, you're you're worse having been around them because they're negative, uh, they're critical, they're judgmental. And, and I don't believe that we are to subject ourselves to that, okay? I don't believe you have to subject yourself to mean or any kind of abuse. Please don't hear that. I believe in love with boundaries, that we're all called to love everybody. But even Jesus had boundaries. When he looked at the rich young ruler and he said, sell what you have, give to the poor, follow me. And, and, and the, the rich young ruler, it says he had much, and so he went away sad. Jesus said, I love you, but I have a boundary, and I've got to be up and about my father's business, and if you want to be with me, you'll have to be up and about my father's business with me. And so the great challenge is that people that you communicate a boundary to automatically perceive you as unloving and unkind, but if you can smile at them and say, I love you, Uh, I want to live a happy life. And, and I I just don't I don't appreciate, nor am I edified by the judgment and criticism every time I'm around you. And so it doesn't mean I don't love you, but when you're in my place, in my presence, around me, this is how we want to operate. Now, that doesn't always work, especially in family. You know, I've, I've got five kids, and we've had our issues, as every family has. And we've had to create boundaries, as every family does. So not one of us in here is without that family member or family members that sometimes going through a tough time. And there's a difference in someone going through a season or living their life critical for a reason. (laughs) And so all I'm saying is we do start creating community is that every community has to have boundaries. Every community. That's why there are different neighborhoods that you might live in. There are homeowners associations, those covenants that they have create boundaries to protect the good of the whole community and that's why they're put in place is to try to say this is the standard by which we want to live and so i just want to lay that foundation so that some of you don't think well i'm not a good christian i i because i i've had to draw these lines and these boundaries and and, and am i doing the right thing in my opinion going back to the bible yes you are And so it's very, very important that we we lay that foundation right up front and realize that as we create community, we're setting boundaries inside that community. Susan has a group of friends that we grew up with. Now, some of them are younger than me, and Susan's just a little younger than me. She'll tell you five years, but it's really like four years and four months. Anyway, (laughs) so anyway she's got this group of friends she's had all of her life which i think is very very cool and they're the sweetest ladies you'll ever meet in your life i love them to death uh spent a few days with them and, and i just laugh because they're they're awesome but they have a policy when they get together was it five minutes you can vent for five minutes if we're going to be together a week you have five minutes to vent and then it's over and we're going to have fun i think that's a great boundary and and you know i, I watched them abide by that boundary it was the most interesting thing i would ever seen I can't even, I mean, to get nine or 10 women together and not kill each other, I think that's nothing short of Red Sea stuff. <laughs> but, but they do it. They do it every year and they love each other and I tell you, I love being around them because I love how they roll. They just decided life's too short for all the drama. We have community and here's how our community works. And so what I want us to do in, at Mosaic Church is I want you to understand there's a culture here. Every church has a culture. One author wrote a book. Said, you know, for years uh, we talked about vision, vision in business, vision in our homes, vision in church. What vision do you have? In other words, what do you see? What What do you want to achieve? What do you want to Where Where do you want to be ten years from now? How do you want? All of a sudden, one One author finally said, you know what? There's one thing more important than vision, and we know the Bible says, "Without a vision, my people perish." So vision's important. He said, but the culture is actually more important than the vision. So you can achieve a vision at the end of the vision. Everybody hates each other. other. They won. It's like the New England Patriots right now. They've won a lot of Super Bowls, but they're entering this fall season, this football season, going, there's chaos in the camp. And so they have this culture, and a lot of people hate the culture because they don't like the coach. He wins. They win. They have a great team. But oftentimes you hear somebody say, yeah, we win, but we're not having fun. And so culture in your home is more critical than the vision that your home possesses. And in the church, the culture is more important than what we accomplish. If we reach a city, change a nation, and touch the world, but in doing so, we're not happy, then we don't have a happy culture. I want us to enjoy life. I'm going to to finish so happy that that when they bury me or whatever they do, they're not going to be able to wipe the smile off my face. This is not going to happen. I want to be happy, and I want us to have that kind of culture. So turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, verse 38 through 47. Now, I'm going to read this out of the Message Bible because I think it makes it a lot, uh a lot clearer for those of us today. It says, Peter said, change your life, turn to God, and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. So your sins are forgiven. Receive the, Holy, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is targeted to you and your children, but also to all who are far away, whomever, in fact, our Master God invites. So Peter here is addressing the people saying, this is our culture. This will be a culture filled with the Holy Spirit. It'll be a culture that includes anyone and everyone, both near and far away. He said, this is the culture that we're going to follow. We have been with Christ. We have followed Jesus. And uh, we have seen this is how he rolled. He was loved. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Christ said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but the world through me might be saved. They were constantly saying, we're creating a culture that includes everyone. God loves the world, everybody. So Peter, having been a a follower of Christ, and let me say this, many people are Christians, but not everyone is a disciple. Now, I want to draw this difference. You can believe in Christ, and you can say, I am a Christian, I have repented of my sin, and I have called on the name of the Lord. And the Bible says if you do that, You shall be saved. But the next step after salvation is discipline. That's where the word disciple comes from, from the word discipline. So many people are going to heaven, but they're not living heaven on earth because they're not disciplined to follow the way of Christ or the culture that Christ brought to this earth, which means that we're to encourage one another every day. We're to love. We're to forgive. We're to extend grace. We're to extend mercy within boundaries, You can't let one person come in and just behave the way they want. I'm going to be a little graphic at 11 o'clock, and those of you watching online, go with me. If I had five of you wonderful, loving couples that really loved each other, and you're in love, and you're making out while I'm preaching, that's not going to work. And you can say, but pastor, we're so in love. Save it for the room at home. I'm trying to preach, and you're jacking with everybody. So I've got a boundary. Yes, we have a culture of love, and we're glad that you love each other. I mean, at least go to the car. <laughs> but right now, it's my time. And it's our time. And we've got a culture of love, but love, even love, has boundaries. Affection has boundaries. And, and so it, when I was attending Old Roberts University uh, on campus, and, you know, it wasn't a extremely conservative. It was a charismatic university. But they had a thing, PDA. You know, if you were walking with with a girlfriend on campus or you were kissing on the front steps, there an RA could come and say, you know what, hey, chill out. You know, public dis- display of affection. So there were boundaries in a loving university, charismatic university. So Peter here is addressing the disciples who were what? Disciplined followers of Jesus Christ. And a disciple is a person that says... Whatever God wants me to do, whatever God asks me to do, I will do. A Christian says, I really like church, okay, and I love God, but mostly I just want to go to heaven. And uh, so I really am not really listening to the voice of God or listening for the voice of God to try to, to see what God wants me to do. I, I'm just, I believe in Jesus, and if anybody ever asks me, I'll tell them, but I'm not a disciple, I'm not one who gets up every day and says, I want to know the will of God, and I want to do the will of God. As I posted some time ago, if, you, know, if, if you, you want the will of God to be accomplished in your life, you have to walk in that will. And so, I want us to be devoted followers of Christ, disciples, people who listen to God. And so, we at Mosaic Church creating a culture, and Peter is addressing that culture that we're trying to follow, and he says... He went on in this vein for a long time, urging them over and over, get out while you can, get out of this sick and stupid culture. And what culture was that? Well, in that day, the religion, religion was everywhere. I mean, you had Sadducees, Herodians, Pharisees, Zealots. You had all these different religious groups And then Jesus comes on the scene and creates this whole new mentality and attitude and culture of love and grace and mercy. It's no longer just about the Jews, but it's about all people. And Jesus began to shatter the cultural dreams that those religious people had of were exclusive. If you're not a part of our group, you're not a part of God's plan. And so in our world today, we don't quite understand it that way. And yet we do in so many cases. We have our own religious circles. Today, throughout America, there are churches of multiple varieties. There are churches, and if you've never been to a Church of Christ church, nobody sings better in Church of Christ. Matter of fact, I want to live right on the brink of Church of Christ worshipers in heaven. I used to watch Church of Christ preaching channel just because the, 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 mu- the vocals were so amazing. But they don't have musical instruments, and somebody didn't know that. And you know what? A lot of churches will criticize them for that. I don't agree with it, don't understand it, but I'm thankful they believe in the Jesus I believe in. And so why criticize somebody or attack somebody for being different than you anyway? It doesn't matter whether, what kind of religion they are. And Peter is addressing that because that's what was happening in his day. That, that religious groups were divided and God never intended for us to be divided. Now, we all know that our, our faith is centered around Christ. And that any, anything that outside of Christ, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father except by me. Anything outside that, we would, we would not take issue with, but we wouldn't take delivery of either. In other words, I'm going to disagree with you, and I would love to tell you what I believe. But more than that, I want to live what I believe before you. And, you know, we have a lot of mean Christians who attack other religious sects or groups or uh, different types of worship and religion. And, you know, I, I don't agree with all of them. I don't. And, and there are religions out there that exclude Christ. And I, I adamantly would disagree in my heart, but I'm not going to attack the people that believe that way. Why? Peter's saying because we have a culture of love. And Peter addressed, he said, now, you need to get out of that culture if you're stuck in it the culture of, we're better than everybody else. If you don't believe what I believe and you're mean to people, there's just no room for mean. Hello? Thank all five of you. Don't get it, okay. Now listen to what happens when you create this kind of culture. Look at what happens here. That day, about 3,000 took him at his word. Hold on. In one day, with no social media, no live streaming platform, no television, no radio, nothing to, at his disposal except his voice speaking to people. And 3,000 people said, we like this. We've never heard anything like this before. We, we know you're a follower of Christ and we heard about it, but we've never heard it spoken to us. And 3,000 people converted in that moment. Not because he talked about a vision of what could be, but how they could live in a world full of the Holy Spirit, full of love, mercy, and grace. 3,000 took him at his word, were baptized, and were signed up. They committed themselves, listen to this, to the teaching of the apostles. There are four things here. The, The life together, the common meal, and prayers. So you want to know what a culture of faith and discipleship looks like? First off, we devote ourselves to the teaching of the Word of God. Now, I know that many people, you came here for different reasons today. Some of you came out, came today, you're curious. Some of you came because you really are looking for a place to worship where you'll be accepted and loved without judgment. And that you want to be a part of something that edifies you and increases your faith. Well, we think you came to a right place. Some of you came here because you're depressed. Some of you came here because you don't want to go to hell. We can help point you to heaven, but we're not going to be the reason you don't go to hell. Yeah, thank you. When I got born again, I got born again because I didn't want to go to hell. It's the only reason I went to church. I mean, I was being honest with you. I didn't go, I think it'd be a great thing to follow Jesus. I just went, I thought it'd be a great thing to not be a marshmallow over an open fire. I don't know why, you're, but I do know this. That in this day, they devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Now, I know you can hear it through podcasts today. You can go home tomorrow, listen to this message again. You can listen to numerous other teachers or preachers. And you know what? You're going to grow. But the reality is that most of us are not disciplined enough. When I work out, I put my earbuds on. A lot of guys that work out listen to music. I'll often listen to preaching. Uh, I, you know, I just like listening and saying, I need to devote some time to getting the word of God in my heart. Uh, to, to you know to prepare myself for today. I love it when I get up on Sunday morning, I'm up early when I go in the bedroom, my wife has got worship on and I'm going to tell you it touches my life because it, it, it reminds me we're, we're about worshiping Jesus. And so you know it's intentional. It has to be intentional because the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy and before you know it, you're drawn away from that which builds you up. And then the second thing it says is that they, that they, they did life together now doing life together is more than being in the same location it's it's more than uh just being in the same place working in the same place living the same it it literally doing life together means i'm going to know who you are now i could get really i could create a lot of family strife today i'll try not to but how many of you really know what your wife's favorite meal is your husband's favorite meal their favorite flower their favorite tv program their favorite hobby I mean, I'm talking about really knowing what causes someone pain, what causes someone joy. Is your spouse, a, a you know, an acts of service type person uh, or are they, uh, you know, they like gifts. So if you give someone a gift who likes words of affirmation, the gift means nothing because you didn't affirm their soul. And so maybe you've given somebody a gift and they shook it off and you think, well, they, they didn't appreciate it. No, if you would have affirmed them and those of you who are married to someone who likes words of affirmation, you're going to save a lot more money than the person who's married to someone who likes gifts. (laughs) So maybe you ought to start shopping around. If you're not married for a spouse who likes words of affirmation, you'll be a lot wealthier. (laughs) So the, the fact of doing life together means that we know something about the people that we're around. We know them. We know what they, what makes them, uh, you know, makes them get up every morning, go to bed every night. We know them. And you know what? Our society really has a lot of information about things that people are going through, but we really don't know who they are. Now, some people know me a little bit like Martine, who, if you need car service, this guy's integrity, call the office, I'll get you his number. But it, anyway, it's, he knows I love cars. I mean, he just knows I, he loves cars. So we have a common bond. I mean, we love cars. We may not like the Oklahoma weather, but we like cars. And so, you know, I know a little bit about him. We've talked. I know what he, his work speaks for itself. I can tell he loves cars. What do you know about the people in your world? What do you know about them? And what Peter is saying is, we're going to do so much life together that we're going to know each other. What hurts, what makes you happy, what you're going through, what you like, what you don't like, what you need. What's going on in your life? Do you know people like that? And see, to me, this is a celebration service. But in our church... We have, for two years, we're only two years old, so the very first thing, because I've done this before, I thought, let's build a group of people that love worship together. And I'm going to tell you, our worship team, I love them. I'm going to tell you, you need to give them a hand, because I'm going to tell you something. They're not up here just singing songs that you feel connected when they worship. I, You feel this connection. It's it, you know, Oftentimes, people measure just by simple vocals or whatever, and, and I think they're all great, but the reality is, They're not up here to impress us. They're not up here to to lead us in a song service. They're up here to show us how to worship, create a culture of worship. And and so um, it's very, very important that we do that. So that's how we started the church. And we got to have good worship, good preaching. We want to have something for your children. But then we realized, and we knew this when we started the church, but we didn't have enough people at that time to know how to connect you guys to each other. And so now our next season is creating Uh, small groups which create community. We feel like that you need to know people in this church, so on Sundays when you show up, if you have a small group, you can have coffee together in the lobby, you talk, you know each other's interests, and and you encourage each other to go fishing on Saturday instead of Sunday. (laughs) Yeah. I was hoping that would be subtle and yet very sharp. That we encourage each other to come to worship and come to church and be a part of what God is doing here. Why? Because we don't want to miss somebody. You know what? A lot of people go to football games not to watch the game. They go because they want to hang out with friends. I've have gone to like houses where there are football games on, and I talked to two or three people. And they said, "We don't even like football." Said, "Why are you here?" So we like the people we're with. So you may not even like church, but you like the people that hang out here. We're okay with that, you backslidden individual. <laughs> we'll pray for you. But relationships are paramount to living a life of fulfillment. Having people you can cry with, people you can laugh with, having people that you know are going to be there when you need them, when you fall down. And, and I mean, I tell you guys, man, when I hurt my back, you know, I, when I was single, I, I, I had to crawl around. I, I, Susan wasn't there at that time. Where were you, girlfriend? And I, I didn't marry a little girl. I mean, she's 5'8, she got some muscle. I don't think I'd want to fight her. So now, if I ever hurt my back, get ready, honey, you're going to work. So it goes on to say life together, the common meal, eating together, and, and the prayers. So we pray for one another, we eat together, we do life together, and, and we, we, we grow in the Word of God together. You know, uh, in the past, when I had small groups before, uh, we called them free market sales. Free market meaning, what do you like? Because, you know, you wanna go to a group that that you like. So, for instance, you could have a a small group in the fall in whatever your fans say, you know, our small group gets together every Saturday for football games at my house. We watch TV, we eat, we laugh, and depending on who you follow, you cry, or... That is if your team loses. Not fall yet, I won't get into that. So anyway, but free market sales, that means you you rally around people who a common interest like they did. Now, Rick Ratliff, who's one you know, our, our our Florida pastor. I'm just speaking that which is not yet as though it were. We may have started church there just to get his booty in church. Anyway, so but he watches online all the time, which is not good enough. He can come home. Anyway, so did I say that out loud? I was thinking it. Okay, I guess I did. All right. So anyway, uh, he had a tennis small group because he's major T's. You know, he's, a, he's not only a tennis player, he's a tennis umpire. I mean, he's legit. NCAA, Division I, He you know, refs, all of that stuff. But, but he had a really effective small group uh, that was centered around tennis but included Christ and prayer and, and talking through things together. Rick's a great leader. And, and uh, you know, it was just easy because they all like tennis. So you're not trying to get a bunch of people together who have different interests and things. So we just let people start small groups in, in their area of interest, which is what we'll do here. And so anyway, uh, those were the four things, and those are the four things we would hope to accomplish. One person said, years ago, people seem to have a greater sense of community responsibility than they have today. They carefully guarded the rights of others because they cherished their own. They realized what many of us have forgotten. We do not live unto ourselves. No man is an island now in every small group in every church in every family in every neighborhood there's going to be conflict bill heibel said the mark of community true biblical unity is not the absence of conflict but the presence of a reconciling spirit that in the midst of conflict the objective and goal to get out of that conflict is let's reconcile let's redeem let's restore let's heal That's that's what true community... Community, no community is without conflict. No community is without difficulty. And in a world where it's so easy to flee, so many people run. Some of the greatest relationships today are born out of 10, 15, 20 years of staying fast and strong and saying, I refuse to let you go. And, and, And standing in that and saying, I am believing God... That this will be reconciled. Those are great things. And you know what? When they can't say, man, I'm moving on. I'm going to stay happy. I'm not going to be bitter. I'm not going to be critical. It goes on to say, it's not the absence of conflict, but the presence of a reconciling spirit. Conflict that goes underground. Now listen to this. Those of you who get mad and don't talk. uh, Conflict that goes underground poisons the soil and hurts everyone eventually. So community is not without conflict, nor is community without conversation. Don't forget that. The idea of community is that we do life together. That means the good, the bad, and the ugly. Now I'm gonna close with these last points and I want you to get this. Because I want, there are those of you that you'd be great small group leaders, small group participants, you need people in your life that in the event of a crisis on Tuesday night at 11 o'clock, who do I call? If you're in a small group of 10 to 15 people You've got at least 5 numbers you can call and say, "Hey, you know what? I got to take my husband to the hospital, got to take my wife to the hospital. Could you come over and watch the kids?" That's church. That's doing life together. That's a culture that Peter was talking about that we are followers of Christ. We're not just here to go to heaven. We're here to bring heaven to home and help people experience heaven. church newsletter mentioned a man who visited 18 different churches on successive Sundays. He was trying to find out what churches were really like. He said, I sat near the front after the service, I walked slowly to the rear, then I turned around and went back to the front and went over to another aisle and went back to the foyer another direction. I smiled and I was neatly dressed. I asked one person direct me to a specific place, a fellowship hall, pastor study, etc. I remained for coffee if it was served. I used a scale to rate the reception I received. I awarded points on the following basis. Now, when I was on my two-year sabbatical and I was out of church for two years, wasn't preaching, I attended a lot of churches just like this guy. And I did it because I had been preaching for 30 years and... And I had not had the opportunity just to attend church and see what it was like to sit in a chair, like you're sitting today. And so I thought, I want to do this because it's maybe the only time I'll ever do it. And so I started attending churches, and I attended some very, very large churches, some middle-sized churches, smaller churches. I just thought, I'm going to attend a lot of them. And so I attended a, a very, very large church. And I walked, I got out of my car in the parking lot. There was no one there to greet me, which is, you know, you go, eh, it's understandable. Big church, a lot of people. And so I go to the front door. There was no one there at the front door. Outside the front door, inside the front door. So I go into the lobby, and I kind of stand in the lobby for a little while. And I'm by myself, so I'm thinking, you know, certainly I look pathetic. And if not, I'm going to try my best to put on a pretty pathetic face. <laughs> if I was a good actor, I would even have started crying, you know, just to try to create some kind of attention that I wasn't getting. So now, four touch points in the parking lot, outside the front door, inside the front door, in the lobby. Four touch points I was not touched. So I thought, well, let me step inside the auditorium. So I would think at the doors right there, there would be someone to at least greet me. Not nothing. I stepped inside. Nothing. Sat in my chair. Nobody came and talked to me. And and I, I'm not, you know, I've done church for a long time. And I'm thinking I fully expected in a church this size That there had to be some kind of culture that said, we're this size because we care for people. Now, what I make my point is this. Like I said earlier, you can put on a great show. You can have great worship. You can have great teaching. You have lights, bells, and whistles. That's not what makes us community. That just means we're a bunch of people in the same place and we don't know why. Oh, we like the music or we like the preaching. But we don't really like each other because we don't talk to each other. I don't know who the person next to me is and never cared enough to sit. And this is why I love every Sunday, Mark goes, turn around and, and meet a few people. We do that by design. Why? It would be a terrible thing for you to sit down and say, nobody even said hi to me. And that, a long story short, I ended up leaving that church without one person saying anything to me. Now, I'm not mad at them, and I'm not even offended. And I wouldn't even tell you their name if you asked me. It, it, that's not the point. The point is this. That we have become so information minded that we've lost our our, our real cultural understanding of what relationship is relationship doesn't mean that we it doesn't mean we have a relationship because we're in the same room together it means we're in the same room together but it doesn't mean we have a relationship you can live in the same house with five people it doesn't mean you have a relationship it means you share the same address that's the tragedy of our culture that we are so isolated from one another. We're so busy that we have failed to connect. So at the end of this worship experience, I want to ask you, when you get to the lobby, just go up to somebody and say, I don't know you, you don't know me, but Pastor asked me to introduce myself. Now, some of you are scared to death right now, and you're going to try to leave while I pray You do a little bit. I know how this works. So, dear God, how do we get it? You're looking around now at all the exits. You're going, okay, we're going to go out that door, and I think we can go a straight shot out that door. Scared to death to go up to somebody and just say, hey, I'm so-and-so. It's good to meet you. When's the last time you did that? You said, well, I got relationships at work. Yeah, but that's not by design. That's by default. You didn't go to work there for five friends, and they didn't hire you because you had five friends there. They hired you to get a job done. And you kind of like the people you work with, and you know a little bit about them. Not because you intentionally did it. You wanted a paycheck. So he said, I awarded points on the following basis. Ten points for a smile from a worshiper. He said, ma'am, if I walked in and I just saw somebody smile at me, that's ten points. Okay? When's the last time you you smiled at somebody? Have you ever noticed how beautiful somebody looks when they smile? They can look like double beautiful than when they don't smile. As a matter of fact, you might want to ask before you ask someone to date, you ask them not to smile. Like, eh, you look really good with a smile, not looking so fantastic without it. All right, Because there are people who are blessed with both, but a smile always enhances us. I just walk around like this. I need all the help I can get. Ten points for a greeting from someone sitting nearby you. Just when's the last time somebody greeted you? So when you sit down with somebody, some of you are sitting within like one chair length of somebody else. And you've you've been in here now for an hour and six minutes. Well, that's not true because you just get here about eleven fifteen. Well, so anyway. <laughs> we rush to the football games early to make sure we get a seat. But church, we always know there's gonna be one. A hundred points for an exchange of names. Hi, my name is Mark. So, yeah, Susan and I moved into a, a neighborhood. We both sold our homes, merged our families, and and we've just been there two months, but we haven't been there that much, and so yesterday we walk outside, we're doing some lawn work, and or at least watching somebody do some lawn work. <laughs> I guess I should be honest. We, we kind of stink at that kind of thing, so we have kind of got some help, costly help. Anyway, so, well, all of a sudden, we look at Caddy corner, and a guy's walking across the street. And I knew he was coming over because you could see the look in his eye. He wanted to meet us, which I thought was really cool. And uh, so anyway, so we go out in the middle of the street because we live in a cul-de-sac. So there, weren't, there wasn't a lot of traffic, and we weren't looking to die. And so anyway, he comes up, says, oh, my name's Hal. we introduced ourselves, and we had this long conversation. So now, you know, we're getting to know our neighbors to, to try to build community. And So now, if I need anything, I, I just know I'm going to Hal's house. I'm going to go to Hal, not hell. I'm just going to go over and say, Hal, how you doing, man? I need some help. You know what I'm saying? And so when you have community and you talk to people, you actually have the opportunity to help them and them help you. So 100 points for exchange of names, 200 points for an invitation to have coffee. This sounds weird to you, but have you ever just been in a room with somebody? Like, you yeah, know, I'd like to meet them. They, they kind of look happy, you know? Or maybe they look depressed and you're the fixer. You get your Superman shirt on underneath your church clothes. And you're going to go fix them. Well, just ask them for a cup of coffee. When's the last time somebody asked you for a cup of coffee? Let's, well, we'll pay for the coffee and the donuts. Just ask them to come to the lobby early. And let's sit down and chat. And, and let's just talk about how great the music is and the preaching is off the chain. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just trying to help you with a topic. You know, I'm really not trying to feed my situation here. But it's great. You know what I'm saying? Man, that's great. So... Just trying to help you, you know, don't, don't grill the pastor and complain about the loud music. We have earplugs at the kiosk, put them in. And then that way, when you're worshiping, you don't know what's being sung, but you're just happy that you're not getting your ears blown off. <laughs> okay, so 200 points for an invitation to return. So glad you came. I was in the lobby, met three people that were exiting. First time here, I got their names and, uh, I, I just, and, and they said, this is our neighbor. And I said, thank you so much for coming. I want to ask you to come back. You say, but that's your job. No, it's not my job. That's the job of disciples. It's not the job of the pastor. It's the job of the people. We're all called to talk to people and invite people back. Okay, thank you for that excitement. Now, a thousand points for an introduction to another worshiper. So if you're standing there and you know two people, or maybe you don't know two people. Maybe you just you introduce yourself to the guy on your right. And, and then and the, you know, somebody comes, and they sit two chairs down. I say, oh, hey, how you doing? Hey, your name's Larry? Hey, I want to introduce you to Bob. Well, you don't know Bob at all. You know, Bob could be a serial killer. But anyway, you're introducing him. <laughs> 1,000 points, right? There are 2,000 points for that one. And, uh, yeah, no, that's a 1,000 points. All right, now, introducing people to each other. And then lastly, 2,000 points for an invitation to meet the past, Makes me feel better up here. (laughs) I'm distancing myself from you rude people. I was like, 2,000 points? That's too much to meet the pastor. Who cares? I got you. You'll have to help me tomorrow, honey. I could have a bad Monday. Anyway. So, get this. On this scale, 11 of the 18 churches... (laughs) Think about this. 11 of the 18 churches he visited... Earned fewer than 100 points. Let's go back to the message of Peter. Culture. It's not about the vision of this house. It's about the culture of this house, and the culture of this house is about community. It's not about celebrity. It's about community. It's about community. It's about loving each other. It's about caring for each other. It's about demonstrating mercy and grace. It, it's it's about introducing people to one another. It's it's about creating a group of people that so say, you know what we love each other we love god and we love one another and and we're going to have a culture here that we're going to pray for one another we're going to do life together we're going to celebrate the preaching and the teaching of the word of god that's what this is all about folks it, christianity being a disciple of christ is not rocket science it's about a life of surrender that says you know what i'm not an island I need other people, and I want to be around other people, and I want to know what makes them tick. That's what it's about. So starting next week, and, and actually uh, when I get more information, we want you to go home this week and pray, and we want you to start thinking in terms of community and small groups. Stuart, by next week, I want to know exactly how to get everybody signed up for this because this is very, very important to Mosaic. It really is. It's important to you. It's important to this church. You know what? Because there's no way any church not any church in America can serve the number of people that attend that church based on staff size. We serve one another. As a matter of fact, all my job is to train you and equip you to become ministers of the gospel. That's what it's all about. That's that's what my job is. Is is I'm not my job's not to be the hero and the, you know so many of you could outpray me. So many of you could lay hands on the sick and they recover. Every time I pray for somebody they get sicker. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just don't have that gift. You know what I'm saying? It's like, Pastor, please send someone to pray for us who really might help us. You know what I'm saying? That's true. I, I just realized my shortcomings and went, okay, God, I guess that's not my gift of miracles. I just So I, I'll send somebody who has it working in their life. Let me send Joe Bob. Every time they go, they pray, they slobber, they spit. But the end result is people get up out of beds. <laughs> they have a towel handed to them, and they're up walking. All right, so. Let's pray. (laughs) Father, thank you so much for fun, laughter, church, people. Thank you, God, that you brought us together for such a time as this. And it's no accident that we are here in Oklahoma City in uh, 2018, July 15th. No accident, God. And so I thank you today that we've had this opportunity to celebrate you, celebrate life, and laugh together. But I pray for those who came here looking for a savior, those who are watching, looking for a savior. That, God, it's it's not because we're good people. It's because you're an awesome God. It's not because we're perfect. It's because you're perfect. It's not because we're sinless, but you took our sin. And so, Lord, I pray for those who have said, man, I just want to be free from the condemnation that I wake up to every day, the judgment I feel on my life every moment of every day. With heads bowed and eyes closed, those of you who say, man, pray for me. I'm tired of living under the under circumstances and under condemnation. Please pray for me. I want to ask you to lift your hand up right now and say, I want to be free from that. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Are there others? Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. So many of you, thank you, thank you. I want us all to pray this prayer. And those of you watching online, I want you to be free. And it's not because you're going to be good. It's because you're accepting the one who took all of our sin and separated as far as from the east as the west from the west when we pray so pray this with me say father god today i repent of my sin i give you my life i call on the name of jesus i declare i am saved thank you jesus amen